ice cream parlor. This is Heidi. I'm Stefan. And this is the podcast where we watch scary movies and then talk about it. Yes, we do. How do you feel about the podcast so far? Where this is our sixth episode. Yeah, I'm having fun with it. I don't know about you, but I like watching all these new interesting movies that I haven't seen. And like I said, some that I have, but I'm having fun with it. I'm fucking loving it. Okay. Great. Yeah. I love it. It's it's great to be able to rewatch these movies. It's equally as great um, making you sit through some of the ones and then yelling at you for falling asleep. It's awesome. I don't know what you're talking about. This week we're going to watch Santa Sangre. <clears throat> Say that again for me. Santa Sangre. What does that mean? It's Spanish for holy blood. <laughs> All right. So some uh, Santeria stuff. Well... I don't know exactly. I don't think it's Santeria. I think it's just fucking creepy. It's a great movie. I don't know if you'll like it. Some people think it's a little too artsy, but uh, it is kind of fucking freaky. It freaked me out the first time I watched it. In fact, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it since maybe the first time I watched it, but it stuck with me. Um, it used to be really hard to find, but now it's on like Shutter. <laughs> gotcha. Well, it's like what? A cult kind of movie is that what it is it's yeah. got a following now well I, I don't know if it has a following I, I don't know other people that have seen it just tell me about the movie so the movie this week is Santa Sangre and it's Spanish for holy blood okay um this is a movie that I haven't seen since I first saw it but it's stuck with me so much so that every time I see it or come across it I immediately want to really watch it um it's oh. Just fucking great. How old is it? When did it come out? It's from 1989. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's not that old. I mean, we're not that old. Well, 89. (laughs) No, but I mean, you know, it's not, um, so it's pre-CGI probably, things like that, right? Yes. Okay. Um, And it's a Mexican-Italian movie. (laughs) Two different continents, but somehow they made it work. Anyway, it's a movie that's going to keep you kind of, oh, it might be too artsy for some people, but... It is definitely a movie that kept me just intrigued and I couldn't get my eyes off of it. And it used to be really hard to to find. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, it's on Shudder. <laughs> Thank you, Shudder. Yeah. So Italian and Mexican. So like spaghetti and nachos. That spaghetti and tacos. fucking gross. <laughs> <laughs> but like a taco pizza. Taco pizza. That sounds good. I don't know. Isn't maybe they have that at Taco Bell on the menu. It's called the Mexican pizza. <laughs> That's not good. I take it back. Okay, so the tagline for the movie is actually "Forget everything you've ever seen." Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's two different versions. One is rated NC seventeen, and one is rated R. And the only differences are. The dismemberment scene is a little bit uh, more extensive in the, of course, the NC-17. And then um, there's a murder scene that has a little bit more blood and spatter on it. Those guys are always cutting stuff just to make an R rating. <laughs> it's, it's, the, the changes are so minimal that you can kind of just blink and miss it. Yeah. At the same point in time, if it's not minimal enough for them to just let it slide. They're like, I have to cut like this amount out just for us to let you put this out to the public. I wonder if they have to do like, okay, we can only see blood this many minutes. It's something like that. And probably not an equation, but there is something like where, you know, the the amount of 
regardless of the blood, anything gratuitous that's shown, whether it be nudity or blood. You may only show 17 and a quarter nipples. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So here's the Mexican-Italian part. Santa Sangre was directed by Alejandro Jordowski. That's a mouthful. Whatever. Jordowski. And um, and it's written by Jordowski, Robert Leone, who wrote over like 70 cult favorites um, that I can't name off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> and Claudio Argento. Oh. Who is the brother of the great Dario. Gotcha. Yep. So, you know, it's good stuff. Gotta be. Good stuff. Okay. And Alejandro Jordowski's sons, Adan and Axel. Both play Phoenix, the main character, at different stages of the, his life. So at the different ages he is. Oh, really? Yeah. So it, Phoenix is the main character and we follow him throughout the movie. Ah, I see. Because the movie is about... Mm, I don't want to ruin it for you, but I'm just going to keep you kind of guessing. So the movie is about a guy who used to be a circus performer as a kid, as an adult, escapes from a mental institution... And becomes the arms of his mother. Hmm. How did he get into a mental institution? Aha. That's the question. (laughs) No, I mean, it's answered right away, but it's a fucking trip. So this is what I just found out about the movie. The movie is loosely based on the crimes of Gregorio Cardenas Hernandez, also known as the Strangler of Tecuba. The Strangler of Cuba? Tecuba. T-E-C-U-B-A. Oh, is that a city? I don't know. I'm not Mexican, and oh. I don't know Mexico history that well, or geography. Okay, but it's a word that doesn't Mexico. translate for you? It sounds like it's a city. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, he was a Mexican serial killer in 1942. Oh. And um, he killed four girls when he was in his 30s. He would have sex with them, strangle them, and then hide their parts in his garden. <laughs> oh, gross. Yeah, so his victims were... Maria de los Angeles Gonzalez, Rosa Reyes, Raquel Martinez de Leon. All three of those 16-year-old girls were sex workers. Wow, that sucks. That sucks. Then there was Graciela Arias Avalos, who was 19. And she was a chemistry student. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so this movie is loosely based on that story? Well, is that what based, you're telling me? It has elements of it, but he became a celebrity in Mexico and even... An unauthorized like porno a... was made what? of his story. Yeah. So, so and like a... it sparked a series of copycat murders. Mm. So is he like the Jack the Ripper of like Mexico sort of? Well, hold on. There's more. Uh, while he was in prison, he wrote three different books. He furthered his education in psychiatry and, and law. And he got married. And his wife had four of his kids. What? Yeah. That's insane. Oh, it gets more fucking ass backwards. Wait, but this again, this is all part of the movie? This is the guy's real real life, yeah. So it's loosely based on his life. Loosely based, but hold on. In 1976, which is not that long ago, Cardenas was pardoned by President Luis Echeverria, and he was invited by the Interior Secretary Mario Moya to give a speech in the, I'm reading this, speech in the Congress of the Union where he was celebrated as a hero. Wait, what? He was hailed as a great example and a clear case of rehabilitation. Okay. So he completed his law studies and worked as a lawyer until his death in, get this, 1999. How fucked up is that? He murdered four girls. 
Yeah, and he worked the system. They were kids. And he goes pardoned by the president. It's, it's, it's weird. Politics. I don't know what to say. It's fucking crazy. Well, so he met um, Alejandro Jordowski in like some backstreet bar in Mexico City. And that's what inspired this movie. So the way- This part here is infuriating. But the murders in the movie are make-believe, and I'm fine with the murders that are make-believe. But the, the actual killer met the director? Mm-hmm. Oh. In a bar. Wow. So the story goes. Gotcha. Yeah. The myth. The myth. But it is very frustrating uh, to to learn to have learned that. You're doing your IMDb research? Um. Well, I did a little bit more extensively than IMDb. I went to Murderpedia. Oh, wow. Murderpedia. I like Murderpedia. I didn't know that existed. Well. Now I know. <laughs> um, yeah, that part is, is is more grotesque than the movie. The movie is actually going to, I think, make you trip out. Yeah, you think so? I think so. I think there's a lot of things that, you know, the special effects aren't going to be anywhere near where things that we watch now. But um, I think it's going to keep your mind kind of like, oh, okay, this feels good. This feels good. What the fuck is that? Okay, 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 this is good. This is good. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. What the fuck was that? Okay, this is good. Oh, fuck. I'm pretty desensitized, so we'll see what happens. So you've never seen this movie. You've never heard about it before? Mm -mm. Okay, good. No, but you have told me that I have to watch it, so... I'm taking your word for it. Oh, no pressure. Right. I don't know what I'm Did I mention that actually this movie had a limited release, like only a few theaters had it, but it was very well received. And we talked about it last episode. Roger Ebert actually has this movie down as one of his favorite movies. So he doesn't like Night of the Living Dead, but he likes this one. He also liked The Changeling. I don't know what to think about that guy. He's just weird. I'm not saying I'm basing it off of him. I'm just saying that during my research, I found that. And it made me chuckle a little bit because I called him Robert in the last episode. (laughs) (laughs) You did. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go watch this movie and then we'll be right back. We'll be right back. All right. Yeah, this is the first one I've had, like, a tough time with because it's... No, I mean, I think it was a great movie. I thought that there was, you know, really good elements of it. It's just that there wasn't enough... See, I don't know even what I'm thinking about as a makes a movie a horror movie. But A, I wasn't... There wasn't anything really scary or horrific or anything like that with it. To me, it was, again, like a suspenseful thriller 
kind of a psychological thing with a twist ending. I don't know if it was so much of a twist ending, but still, I think it was a good movie. But I just, you know, there's some of these movies where I, I feel like I'm expecting to see, I guess, your typical slasher horror movie type of thing. Um, whereas these older ones, I guess, to me, um, you know, it, it's missing something in it that I consider to be horror. Well, horror is defined as, and I prepared for this. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> okay. Horror is defined as fiction un, um, intended to frighten, scare, disgust, or startle readers or viewers. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. And it did those things. It okay. startled you in some aspects. It disgusted you in some aspects. I don't know if it did And it me. left you uncomfortable. I don't know if it did that to me. Maybe it did that to you. And did I it think... leave you uncomfortable in certain areas? No, not really. Because... I... Well, first of all, the experiences that were going on in the movie aren't necessarily first-hand experiences for me. That doesn't mean that you can't enjoy a movie just because you haven't I enjoyed gone it. to the moon. You can watch sure. a movie about astronauts. Right. You know, I, just because you haven't um, fought off a fucking, I don't know... A superhero, a supervillain doesn't mean that you can't watch a superhero right. movie. But I'm not saying that I didn't completely not like this movie, but it just was while I was watching it, just I guess because I had a certain like even with the tagline, you'll forget everything you've seen or whatever you said it was like, but why though? I mean, it was just a typical tale of you know, kind of like messed up family relationship kind of story. Yeah, well, so is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, exactly. But that tends to be more of a horror movie because you, even though How they didn't show it. How about let's get into the like, movie first? Yeah, let's let's get into it. Okay, and then you can complain about it later. Let's go through the movie. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so the movie starts like this. There's a naked man perched on a tree. That tree is an in. It's indoors. It's inside oh, of a bit. psych ward. Yeah. Yeah, and um. That, we later find out, is Phoenix as an adult. Mm-hmm. And Phoenix is this um, frail-looking man who's completely naked. Did I mention he's naked? Also, ball sacks. Ball sacks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the doctors and the nurses try to get him down from the tree. And they offer him real people food which is like you know a meal that's prepared and heated up and you know he's whatever so they gave him the second option which is a raw fish yep and he sees that raw fish he makes sounds like a bird and jumps down and eats it inside of a nest where he sleeps Mm -hmm. yeah yeah pretty crazy start yep crazy start and that's how it starts then you get into the flashback and the flashback Starts with the opening of a circus called Circo. Circo, Circo del Gringo, which means that white man's circus. Really? Is that what it means? The that's... circus of that white guy over there. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> okay, we find out that Phoenix, as a child, was a magician. Yeah, that was his niche, right? Yeah, that was his yeah. thing. Yeah. And he was adorable. He was this cute little terrible looking kid who, who with rosy cheeks, who just would open his palm and suddenly there's like a berry or something in his yeah. la- in his he, hand. He had a fake mustache. He had a little itty bitty Vincent Price mustache. It was yeah. so cute. And he had a little top hat and everything. Um, his dad is the ringleader and he is a piece of shit drunk. 
Mm, yeah, um, he's the, he's uh, this massive white man. He's the gringo, and he is like he's built like Bam Bam Bigelow. <laughs> he's not, is he not? No, I guess you're right. And he has this um, tattoo of a phoenix on his chest. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so he is phoenix is friends or has a sidekick who is named Aladdin, Aladdin, who is um, a little person. But he's like a super little person. Super little person, so, yeah. Like, like, seriously, he's like... Tiny, tiny. Yeah, he's like super small. He's like shorter than this kid. Like, so much smaller. And So I don't know what the actual term is. But he's like super I, tiny. I think, is it, and he's a famous actor. He's a famous actor little person. I just didn't right, yeah, get his so. name. Maybe he's a dwarf. Yeah, like isn't that something? I have no idea. I, I'm not... No, no idea. Sorry. Um... But he tells, Phoenix tells Aladdin, Mama said he killed a woman in America and can't go back. Holy shit. <laughs> well, that's a red flag. Why would you be with a man? Why would you be with anybody who killed somebody and can't go back to their home country? Yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, yeah, red flag number one right there. Right. So then we meet the tattooed woman. The tattooed lady, yeah. 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 So it's a woman who's covered head to toe in tattoos, much like Stefan in my dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but her tattoos are kind of like, they're not, um, they look kind of drawn on, which they sort of are, obviously, but like, you know, they, they didn't look as genuine. Maybe that's what they were going for. I don't know. It's also a movie from 1989, and it was yeah. made in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, I got you. That's fine. Yeah. All right. So, um, but this tattooed woman, let me tell you, I fucking dug her. She's got this wild and crazy curly hair, which I dig. And she, all the entire movie, she walks around in a bathing suit, like a bikini. Yeah. Because she shows off her tattoos, head to toe. She has a, a tattoo that goes up to her face, just like the side of her face. And then that one scene, you see her bending over and walking backwards, and you see the ocean <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> of her ass just walking towards you it's a beautiful scene anyway with her is how we find out that Phoenix's dad is a hoe bag yeah well because he's uh, messing around with the, the tattooed, tattooed woman, woman when right. he's married to Phoenix's to mom. mom right who yeah. we haven't met at this point in time yet or have we no. no, not yet. Right. All right. So we also find out that the tattooed woman um, has this kid that she's taking care of who is, I guess, the daughter of a friend who died. Yeah. And she's making her walk a tightrope while it's on fire. Right. She's and she's mean deaf to her. and mute. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's yeah. She's deaf the, and mute. The girl. Yeah. The girl's the deaf girl. and mute. Mm-hmm. We find out her name is Alma. And the tattooed lady is so mean. She's like cracking the whip and like get up there and do it. I walk through the type. I should have sent you to an orphanage. <laughs> yeah. What an asshole! Yeah. Um, but that's the fire of the tattooed woman. <laughs> um, okay, so we find that Alma and Phoenix immediately are drawn to each other. Is it love or is it the fact that they're the only two children in the circus? Yeah, probably that. <laughs> <laughs> um. So they, they start up a friendship. He kind of just helps her feel better. And with his with his encouragement, she's able to walk across the tightrope with the fire. Yeah, which that is, uh, I mean, that's got to burn in real life. Like, I don't know, again, I know this movie and whatever. It's a circus. But I think about it like, man, walking a tightrope is probably hard enough. And then to have it on fire, like the fire probably comes up to their knees or 
don't know. Anyways, it's... She pulled it off, though, right? She, she pulled it off. Yep. Okay. We then find out that... Uh, we then meet Phoenix's mother, Concha. Okay? Yeah, there's a big riot going on or something well, like that. She is the head of a church slash cult. Mm-hmm. And um, the church is getting torn down by the property owner. And that's what the big drama is. Right. And they're trying to, like, protest and, and to save the church. They want to save the church. Um, they are a cult who worship this girl who was walking home one day in her school uniform, um, was attacked by men who wanted to rape her, and she was fighting back, and they cut off her arms, and then they left her for dead. And that is a saint that they worship, this little girl who was raped and um, killed by her rapists. Yeah, they have, like, a statue with no arms or something, And right? a school uniform, yeah. <laughs> and there's a big old pool of blood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so let's get to that pool of blood. So the, She the sings protest, a song, too, I think, at that point in time, right? Yeah, Phoenix's during mom. the protest, they, they sing a song to try to keep the... Um, the protest, the developers at bay, but a limo shows up and the priest or the, whatever the hell, Bishop, I'm, Bishop, Monsignor, whatever the hell that is. Yeah. I don't know what I, I wrote a it down as a official, bishop. a church official comes and tries to kind of head the way. Um, yeah. and we, that's when we know the story of, of Lido, who is, um, who is the saint, the girl with the arms cut off. Oh, is that her name? Yeah, Lito. Yeah. So we find out that is the reason why this is saying he's like, what is going on? He thinks it's fucking crazy. He's saying this is blasphemy. And he physically starts getting into a slapping fight with Concha. Yeah, he puts his hand in the blood, the pool of blood. And he's like, this isn't blood. This is yeah. paint. <laughs> yeah. And then she's saying, no, it's blood. And he and start, he's like condemns them or something. Yeah, and, and he goes, like, go ahead and destroy it. So the bulldozers attack and everybody flees. Except for Concha, who's just hugging the um, the statue, statue yeah. of the of Lido, the saint, and then Phoenix is outside with the uh, rest of the of his little crew from the circus, and he breaks away from them and goes and hugs his mother. And only then is she like snapping out of whatever that trance is, and she realizes I better get out of here, and, and carries her son out of harm's way back to the circus. And so the bulldozer comes and demolishes the yeah. building. Fucking like they just bulldoze right just... through it. Yep. Um, I wrote down that the mom I think is already crazy at this point in time. Uh, well, yeah, no shit. She's literally leader <laughs> of a cult that worships a girl with no arms. Yeah. Okay. So they um, defeated. They walk off to the circus, where Concha sees a tattooed lady with her husband. As in, um, that's that. Walking towards him, bent over, ass first. Oh yeah, that's when she's backing that ass up. Yep, yeah, yeah. That's the more eloquent way of saying it. Yep. And Goncha grabs a knife and fucking scares her off, right? But it seems to me that the what is his name? The great also, I think his name was the ringleader. Yeah, uh, I didn't catch his name. Um, he ends up being able to hypnotize. The women with his knives and it might be why he's able to get as far as he does with the tattooed woman because she's the one that he puts on the board and throws knives at right yeah and she re reacts like like as she's climaxing yeah every like time having an orgasm yeah with the knives being thrown at her which could be just her psych her psychosis or it could be being hypnotized but in the whole 
tussle with Concha when she's like, get that fucking bitch out of here. He like shows Concha the knife and she kind of falls into this like hypnotic state and then he carries her off and then, you know, goes and fucks her where Fenix goes and watches them fuck. Yeah, so I, I wrote down, I just realized in my notes, I have mom is crazy and then I put about the girl who gets her arms cut off and dies in her own blood. The same. And then mom is and crazy. And then mom is crazy again. <laughs> and then kid sees mom fucking. And yeah. that's got to be kind of psychologically disturbing for a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think about it. <laughs> like, I know my parents had to have had sex at least once. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to think about it. Um, okay, so mom's fucking. The kids are like, okay, well, maybe I don't watch all of this, right? And then they start walk- wandering around the circus and it's like this old decrepit circus. Like I went to the circus when I like I went to you know circus Varkas and stuff here in California. But um, when we went to visit, we went on vacation as kids to San Felipe or um, Ensenada every summer. And while there, we went to a Mexican circus, and that shit was fucking bonkers. What's the what's the difference? Like what regulations? Bon- I guess. Oh, so they could just do crazier shit and just yeah. push the limits because there's... Yeah. So, like, no safety net kind of thing or... Kind of, but yeah. also um, lots of animals you were in a lot, you're not allowed to have in Cal- in, in the United States. Uh-huh. Um, but it was kind of fucking crazy. But um, it was actually, actually really good. <laughs> or I remember it being really good. I imagine that's just because we were kids. Hmm. I went to a circus as a kid once. I think it was Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey or whatever. And this was sometime... I was really young, Massachusetts. I, I remember having a good time, but it was way before I understood what, like, the circus was and how the animals are treated and just, mm-hmm. you know, so, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I saw, um, I was um, deep in the heart of the valley this weekend, and I saw that there was Circus Vargas's in town, and I'm like, oh, that's so appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they don't have the same animals, they don't have the same animals anymore, I don't think. Mm, yeah. Um, because of the same, the next scene, I guess, um, we see the death of an elephant. Oh, yeah. And that's it's bad. so brutal. Like, it's disgusting. The poor thing is hemorrhaging out of its trunk, and Phoenix is telling, begging it not to die, and it's just so sad. And then you just see puddles and puddles of blood, and it's not even a full size elephant, it's like a baby elephant. <laughs> yeah. You know, which makes it so much more sad because it's like, it's a baby. Yeah, it was a um, definitely not a full-grown elephant, because after it dies, the next scene, or so, you see like a parade and people are carrying the coffin, as but, they would a person's coffin. Yeah, but then they. they but it's this big, <laughs> like fucking, enormous monstrosity of a casket. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's enormous because it's an elephant, but it's also so opulent. And I'm thinking in my head, where, where are they going with this? What are they gonna do? Dig a big hole? Nope, not at all. They get to the nearest cliff. <laughs> they put it on a ramp and they let that sucker <laughs> do- go down into the... Drop that thing Into off. the landfill. Yeah. It, and then <laughs> when it falls into the landfill, they have a second of silence. But then there's cheering from scavengers. And not scavengers, but I think it's mostly just people in the slums. And they're like attacking the casket and breaking it open and they and they finally get through and then you see oh my gosh and this part hurt me so bad they you see this trunk just flying out of the coffin and people slicing it so that they can 
eat it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why did they have to throw the trunk out? It was just so bad. Yeah, it was like vultures like coming and picking the bones. Yeah, and, and it was the body was so juicy. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so after the elephant... Right. So after that scene, um, they start leaving. And um, everybody had gone to this thing. But at this point in time, Concha thought it would be okay for... Um, Fenix who spent some time with his dad. Yeah. <laughs> and Fenix is sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And finally his dad says, I'll give you a charm that will make you a man so that he won't cry. So what he does is he takes Fenix back to his place and ties him up. Mm-hmm. And... Goes and gives him like the shittiest chest tattoo. Gives him the same Phoenix tattoo that he has on his chest. But he does it with... Like a, a dagger. Knife. Yeah, a dagger. Like old school, like tap. Not like, even tap. He seemed to be cutting into him. <laughs> yeah. And ben, you see Fenix agonizing screams of just, oh my God. And it's a little kid. And finally he has him bite on a piece of wood. And finally at the end of it, you just see the red. Yeah, just the blue. That red, red is the red that was on your face in the dream where you had a tattoo on your face. And then I had you get it lasered off. And then it was that kind of red. It was just crunchy and. But isn't that just the blood? It's just the blood. But I'm yeah. telling you, in my dream, that's what it oh. was. Um. So then, after the tattoo is done, Phoenix walks out in full ringleader attire, and you can see the blood still on his chest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like his um. Gra- what graduation? Oh, not graduation. But it's like him becoming a man. Whatever. It's him becoming a man. So then we see a, a performance. It's performance day at the circus. And we see Phoenix doing um, magical tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we see, well, we see the animals. We see the clowns. We see all kinds of stuff. And then we see um, the tattooed woman giving, like, selling uh, autographed pictures of herself by just, like, shimming her boobs in front of a guy. And the guy gives her a buck. And she's like, okay, thanks. Which I, I thought was funny. But um, we see Phoenix doing one of his tricks. And in his trick is he has this box. And he puts Alma, the little girl who's deaf and mute, into the box. And then he does magic and then um, unveils that Alma is now a full-grown woman. A gorgeous woman. It's yeah. Concha. It's his mother. Right. And so her trick is she has like this attachment on her head so that she can, from the top of the circus tent, is able to do tricks like spin around and hang from her fucking hair. Um, but she's doing this with her hair. And while she's up there, she's got this brilliant, beautiful smile. And I just thought about how much she was glowing because she seemed so happy and in her element, right? And she's, and she's looking down to the crowd. And then she does a little spin. And she sees... Her husband give a necklace to the tattooed woman and then starts like rubbing up on her. Yeah. And so she screams, get me down. Yeah. All in the middle of her act. All in the middle of her act. (laughs) So she gets down. um, By this time, um, they they let her down. By this time, the tattooed woman and the ringleader are in, uh, in the back room somewhere. And he's like ripping her panties off kind of thing. And her legs are in the air. And you see... Oh, and then Concha takes Phoenix and puts him in the trailer, locks the door, puts the key in her bra, and goes after them. She grabs a bottle of... What? Is this the H2SO4? H2SO4. 
Yeah. Which apparently is acid. I didn't look it up. Did you? Uh, no, but H2 is hydrogen, right? Two, and then, because uh, H2O is water, as we all know. Um, but so the SO4, I'm not sure what that is. Sodium something or other, probably. Maybe. It's some acid. It's acid. And so she, you know, she creeps up on them about to get it on. And it's the most, like... How do I say this? It's such a, it's such a carnal way of doing it. Like they're like full on going at like, I'm going to fuck you up. Like he tears her panties off of her and, and she's like just waiting for her legs wide open, but he's this enormous, massive nastiness (laughs) of a guy just makes you want to like never eat ever again and just, you know, chew on Tums. Like, it's such a gross-looking guy. And and so, Concha, like, jumps into the bed with them, and she knocks off what apparently had this whole time has been a wig. Oh, yeah. And so his his hair comes off, and you see that he's got, like, nasty sores and scabs under his under the fake hair. And, and, and he's like, what the fuck? But she starts throwing this acid onto his fucking wang. Yeah. Like his dick is just being burned off. And Now, this was the most horrific part of the movie for me anyways. Oh, because you have a dick? Suddenly it matters? Well, it just <laughs> anything. It, it hurts. Just even depicting some something like that. It's like acid burning off your dick. Ouch. Yes, at the very least, ouch. <laughs> so his dick is burning off and he's like trying to fight her and... And um, she's also, uh, Concha's trying to fight the tattooed woman, and it's just this whole fucking shit. The tattooed woman fucking gets out of there. And um, and the guy, the ringleader, whatever the fuck his name is, let's call him Scumbag McScumbagington, grabs her and and pushes her against the, um, the wheel where he puts a tattooed woman to throw knives on her. And with two knives, just runs them from the bottom, like from this, from her sides that save like her knees, on either side of her knees on the outside because he's not cutting into her, and then runs the blades up, and slices her arms off, mm-hmm. and they just fall. Yeah. With a sickening thud. So I wonder, like, the slicing of the arms off thing is that a popular technique in like the Mexican, so- Central American, South American kind of world, or was that what the the murderer who uh, the director got inspiration from? Maybe was that his thing? Did that is that what he did to those sixteen year old girls? You think he cut their arms off? I don't know. I didn't read that much into it. I didn't really go extensively into Murderpedia to get the nasty details because I it's I didn't want to do that. But um, I mean, I did, but not for this podcast. <laughs> I'll do it on my own time. Well, you gotta definitely have a sharp blade to pull that off. I mean. You know, to cut right through. Yeah, but it's also the... movie magic. Yeah. And so her arms fall with a sickening thud. Doom, 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 doom. And she bleeds out. Mind you, Fenix can see all of this because at this time he did this out in the open. And so the um, assholington walks out. <laughs> keep coming up with different names for him. <laughs> walks out and sees, you know, and, and kind of thinks maybe, shit, I have no dick. Why live? Or maybe I just killed my wife. Why live? And he slits his throat wide open, and Phoenix is watching the whole thing. Yep, yep. So, now we know why he's in a loony bin when he grows up. Yeah. 
Oh my god. Yeah, it's a lot lot to go through. You watch your mom fucking, then you watch your dad kill your mom, and then you watch your you dad watch kill your... yourself himself. Yeah, and... oh my so they, they rescue him like the next day or something, because it's daylight at that time. And then the little girl gets taken away by the tattoo lady who's just like, oh fuck. Right, and just exactly. throws him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so anyway, back to Phoenix as an adult. Um they try so at the at the asylum the doctors are trying to get him to engage with all of the other people that live in the asylum or you know Arkham what is it <laughs> <laughs> but it's the entire population of that institution every child in there every it's, kid in there every person in there has like down special syndrome special needs or whatever every, all of them had down syndrome yeah um, yeah so is this how they just house children with down syndrome they just put them off in an institution i don't know that's fucked yeah i mean they did do some crazy things with all special needs or handicapped people back then because they didn't know any better i mean well this was the 80s so i don't know what point in time this movie takes place in but Still, people weren't as educated as they are now, and they didn't have the kind of doctors and facilities and help and phys- uh, physical therapists and all that, you know. All right, so he's in this place with just people with Down syndrome, and um, they get him to make friends with a few of them, and then they gather a whole bunch of them and take them to the movies, or so they think. <laughs> yeah. They <laughs> drop them off at the movies, unsupervised, because the nurse and the assistant, or the orderly, are fucking in the car instead of mon- monitoring everybody yeah. that is, you know, special needs. Yeah. And so they send him into the movie theater. But bef- when they're about to buy their tickets, this fucking cholo guy, who we find out later is a pimp, um, tells them, you know, do you guys want to watch this boring movie or do you want to do some coke? And literally shoves it into their nose and tells them to sniff. Yeah, yeah, that was the crazy part. So this guy's getting all these Down syndrome special needs kids coked up, and then they take the like they all go off to go get laid by prostitutes or whatever. Well, no, he takes them dancing down into into the red light district, and there's sex workers everywhere, but there's this one magical sex worker. We find is this cholo's favorite. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, and he goes up to her, and he's she's obviously like they're just so in love with each other, but she's a sex worker, right? <laughs> and he tells her um, the literal the literal translation because he tells her in Spanish is, um, "I have five little idiots for you to fuck. How much?" And she's like, "Well, for you, I'll do it for twenty. Yeah. And he goes, "I'll give you fifth. I'll give you five of that twenty, and I'll keep fifteen. Yeah. And she's like, world? "Okay." <laughs> five. What is that? Pesos? Even they can't be talking dollars, right? Yeah, I guess so. Wow. No, that's, that's like, sadder than I thought. Yeah. Right. That's like really. But maybe it was just translated because we watched this the maybe. one in English. Okay. Yeah. So, the other kids. I don't even know if they're kids. They're probably adults. The other people from the institution go off with the sex worker. I don't know if you want to describe her. She's a big girl. No, she's like two big girls. Two big girls. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, but she's like the love of this pimp's life. Like he adores this woman. You know, gives her five bucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Phoenix wanders off because he feels like he sees... A familiar figure in the at the, in the distance. It's uh, the tattooed woman. And it's a tattooed woman dancing in the street, in the red light district. 
Yeah, that's right. So she's back doing her thing. She's a little bit more covered up this time around. She's not as like she's wearing a she's wearing a dress. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but she can still see the tattoos all over her. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and you know it's her because she still looks the same. She has a tattoo on her fucking mm-hmm. face. Right. So the next day, um, then it's the next morning, and um, his friends that went with him to the quote movie and the doctor and the nurse um, opened the door for Phoenix and. They're asking, did you have a good time? And he goes, yeah. And the other kids start laughing. And they're like, we had a good time. Of course. <laughs> but I've never done coke, so I don't know if you get any kind of hangover or whatever. But whatever. I have no idea how that works. But um, but Phoenix, he go, you know, he's like, yeah, everything's fine. And then they leave him alone. And he immediately escapes. He jumps up and through the... He jumps out through the window of of like that was like right next to his tree which is stupid as shit why would yeah. you put a tree in there yeah, that would reach away right. anyway he easily got out of that place like but nothing. because he saw his mother across the street just standing there right and with that's, no arms right that's crazy so that she survived the incident and she's got no arms now mm-hmm. and did did he know like we don't know if he knew that mm-hmm. she was alive or not so. but she was there and he um and he goes with her and and that's how he becomes her arms yeah now this is where it got strange because okay. like he became her arms like as if she like did she, was he just doing it out of generosity did she have like a spell over him because like, he almost seemed like i can't control it i have to do this but we'll get there yeah all right so back in the red light district the local pimp the cholo from before pimps out the tattooed woman to soldiers not just any soldiers two normal sized soldiers and one big uh, one Andre the Giant version of a soldier. Yeah. He's this fucking enormous man. Right. And so she's like, okay, well I guess I'm doing three guys. And one guy's like, Nope, I need where's mine? Where's mine? And she goes to give her this girl who's a teenager at this point, but still tiny, especially compared to this guy. And so she she he gives her the money and he she sends him into the room where that little girl is. And the guy, the first thing he does is just picks her up and cradles her. Yeah. And the second that Stefan says, oh, that would be freaky as shit to wake up to. She wakes up and starts freaking out. Yeah. But the worst part is the tattooed lady says, she's deaf and mute. You can do whatever you want to her and she won't make a sound. Right, right. Fuck that hoe. No longer interested in you. Thank you, you dirty cunt. <gasps> Somebody's got to wash your mouth out with soap. <laughs> So yeah, he tries to hold the girl in his arms. She wakes up, she panics, and she runs. She uh, she tries to get out there, uh, out of there as quick as possible. And then okay, so yeah. so, so she to... runs, she she runs, and she like hides by sleeping on top of the semi truck. Right, yeah, on the top of the truck. That's right. a pretty good hiding spot. I don't think people would necessarily look. Which makes you feel like she's run away before yeah. and hidden. Yeah. While she's sleeping on there. We see somebody walk into the tattoo lady's home. And the tattoo lady is talking shit because this girl ran away and she hears something. She's like, oh, you fucking came back. I'm going to fucking kill you for running away. (laughs) And she goes and all you see is these red flashing nails. And this woman, the tattooed woman, getting stabbed repeatedly and blood and... Right. That's stabbing. Does it sound like stabbing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to some maybe i don't know <laughs> um so uh she you know not only is she dead she's like 
Hella dead. Right. So fucking dead. But the the, uh, but the, the tattoo next, lady. Yeah, the tattoo lady. So the next morning when Alma comes back, she finds her dead, but she can't do anything about it. So she runs off. Right, yeah. So somewhere right there, I also wrote, what's up with the ear scene? They had a scene where they were like ripping the ear off of somebody's head. <laughs> so remember I told you there's a lot of what the fuck moments, right? Right. I didn't lie to you, did I? No, but okay. Yeah. So when, when the um, when Alma like goes off on her own now during the daylight, she's like doesn't know what to do. She sees this man who's staring at her, and he seems prim and proper, and he's dressed up in a suit. But mind you, they're still in the fucking red light district, so don't trust anybody there in this scene anyway. In this movie, and she gets close to him. Maybe she's gonna ask him for help. But what he does is he pulls off his own ear. Yeah. And it's juicy as fuck, like, where it's attached. And he rubs it on her face and blah. So gross. <laughs> but like, how could, you, could you do that? Could you rip off your own ear? No, I think maybe it was a prosthetic and he probably just did it to freak her out. Oh. You can't rip off your own ear. Yeah, let me try. That's why I was confused. Because I was like, what's up with the ear scene? Like, why is he ripping off his own ear? And then, like, so you think he was, like, he didn't have an ear, and then it was a prosthetic purposely, like, kind of because that yeah, was just his... just fuck with her. That was his niche or so, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, so that was that was pretty gross. But it was a what-the-fuck moment. So... So, um, she's walking along, and I guess she goes, and she makes her own way. At this point, Phoenix gets his gang back together. Oh yeah, Mr. Yeah, Aladdin. Yeah, he finds he finds Aladdin um shining shoes. Shining <laughs> shoes for the soldier that was trying to fuck Alma. Right, the big guy. The big guy. Yeah. And then he just pretty much walks up onto him and be like, "Hey, let's do this." And Aladdin's like, "I." <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and Down. Then... <laughs> Down as fuck. Um so then we find out that they have their own show and it's um Concha's amazing arms or something like that. Yeah. And what it is, it's this show, it's like a cabaret show, where um, Phoenix is his mother's arms, as in she has no arms, so he puts his arms through these sleeves that they've created for him and her, and they're kind of also attached, like uh, tied together so that they can dance in unison. But he's like doing all of the arm movements, and I'm doing arm movements because obviously you can see me through podcast magic. But he's doing the arm movement. So, like, if she's she's singing something, he'll gesture with his arms. Or if she's thinking, like, you know, when you go, oh, and you put your hand to your face, he's the hand to the face. Yeah. So, um, so they do this whole process, and, and then they go off, and then it's the next act. And the next act, the girl's kind of flirting with him, with Phoenix saying, you know, with your hands and, uh, and with my uh, body, we can do amazing things. And she's like talking about getting it on kind of thing. Or or is she? Because she could just be talking about literally another act. Because her act is Ruby the Virgin. And she's in a schoolgirl's uniform. And there's this guy singing in the background. But it's just a striptease, you know? Mm. Which is weird. Yeah. So then he goes, um, all right. After he's watching her a little bit and getting aroused, it seems like. Uh, he tells her, okay, meet me here after the show. I think you're right. So that night she comes back, he like does the same fucking thing that his dad did. He hypnotizes her with 
the knives, the daggers, and like puts her arms up and starts throwing the knives at her. And she's reacting the same way that the tattooed woman was reacting. Right. Like, uh, right. every time a fucking thing hit the fucking board. <laughs> and it's like, what the shit? So was this, was the dad fucking these women by hypnotizing them? Because that's rape. Some Bill Cosby. Yes. <laughs> Without the added expense of liquor. Right. So during this part, he's like digging it. He's doing it. And next thing you know, Concha appears, his mother. And she orders him to kill her. Yes, she does. She orders him to kill the girl. And he's kind of conflicted because he doesn't want to. But that's where all of a sudden now it seems like his hands have a mind of their own. Like they must do what my mom tells me to do. So he throws do. a dagger directly into her, mm-hmm. um, into her abdomen and she dies. But she doesn't feel anything because she's still hypnotized. So the mother tells her, tells him, wake her up. So he wakes her up and she like does this, ah, ah, dead. Yeah. And then there was a goose that flies out of the grave or something like that. Well, we're not there at the grave yet. Oh, we're not there at the grave yet. Sorry. <laughs> so they, so she tells him, uh, clean this mess up and pack a suitcase. We're going home. So what they did was they went back to the house that they lived in before, you know, the circus died, you know, <laughs> essentially. Um, he buries the girl in the garden. Oh, yeah, that's and right. And that's when he's burying the girl in the garden, this fucking goose flies away. Yeah, that's right. Which is weird. I don't know the symbolism behind birds, but I don't like birds. Yeah, so, so yeah, I don't know about goose or geese, but the uh, uh, don't they, wait, which one turns into a swan? The ugly duckling? Yeah, but... <laughs> I don't know. Never mind. Anyways, don't, don't, certain, I don't know. I thought a goose or something turns into a swan when they grow up. No. I think swans do. Baby swans. (laughs) Baby. Swans. (laughs) I don't know why I did that. Stop. (laughs) Okay. Um, So now the son is the mother's arms and hands. And she like kind of reiterates that. I think tells him like doesn't she say that like you are my arms or is that just oh it gets fucking creepy so they share the same bed it's already well he's already behind her doing all these motions and shit which is already creepy because number one you're like back to back i mean you know like front to back with your it's crotch to butt (laughs) crotch to butt with your mom and then you've got your arms around her inside the same dress and like he's also motioning in a very feminine way because he has to be her hands it's just all over weird. I don't know. That see again. This is why I didn't say it was like so much horror, especially at this point in time, because it's, it's just, disturbing. It's disturbing, yeah. But it's weird, disturbing. Okay, so he does everything for her. Like instead of just feeding her because she has no arms, he puts he sits behind her and puts his arms through her sleeves. Yeah. Like makes it so that she's feeding herself. Yeah. And then she wants to play the piano, so. He sits behind her and plays the piano. Mm-hmm. It's just It's just disturbing. strange. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> so he's also infatuated with the Invisible Man, which I can dig and I can appreciate. But he is trying to do all these experiments. So he goes to he goes to like this pharmacy that's like a mobile pharmacy right outside of his house. Right. And there's a girl that likes him who's probably like 50. But... She digs him and she's like, oh, I'll be over there soon or whatever. And she fights herself over on a date. But then as he's leaving, he like starts twitching and fucking there's this crazy thing happens. She's like, oh my God, are you okay? She's like, he goes, 
it's just a hallucination and then walks off <laughs> like it's nothing like what the shit that's funny yeah um there's also um a point where he sees um coming to town is this amazing female wrestler who can be built beat by no man he's like the iron maiden right and he's like, that's the perfect woman for me because that, she can fight me off. Did they call her the Iron Maiden? I think so. Yeah. Hmm. I think so. So I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but um, along the street by where we live, when there's like um, a semi that's sometimes parked out there and the title of the truck, the name on the truck is called Mujeres de Hierro, which means Iron Maiden. Oh. And I think that's awesome because it's got to be a female um, truck driver, right? I don't know. You think so? I mean, yeah. So he sees the Iron Maiden and he goes and seeks out the Iron Maiden, who is the strong, um, very, very muscular woman. Oh, yeah. Who he right. really wants. He really, he really wants a relationship with somebody and he wants somebody that he can't beat up, which is this woman Wait, because she's a fucking heavyweight wrestler or whatever it's called um, because he longs for affection and a relationship there's some part of him that's still human was she like a, in a competition or something bodybuilding competition well so what she, like her thing is she fights several different wrestlers oh, and yeah. always wins right right so they were in rehearsals when he stopped by and then he goes up to the dressing room with a single rose and goes no, uh, and a bottle of vodka maybe, and just to go and court her, and he does, and it's kind of disturbing, <laughs> not not because not because it's a guy in drag because I spend most of my twenties in West Hollywood. That's not the problem. It's the thing that they did about it. It's they put a guy, a very masculine looking guy in a dress and that's fine but when he answers the door they have like these fake boobs made on him and they're plastic and this is the word of the day they were juicy because they were so like shiny and (laughs) and like imagine madonna's cone bra with flesh color that was flesh color and had enormous nipples like it was disturbing, and because it's it didn't it wasn't anything natural. No, and it all. just it just looked like way out of place. Yeah, and not needed. They just wanted to say that she was a girl. They could have just said she was a girl. Yeah, you know. But the whole point was she was supposed to be like a strong girl. But it was so obviously just a guy in drag, and that's fine too. Um, so he courts her by giving her countless bottles of liquor every time she runs out she stops and then he just gives her another bottle because he's a magician he's always pulling them out of everywhere and so they get back to the house and and he's saying you know and he's like putting on a show for her but then the mother shows up yeah without her arms without her arms (laughs) like she has them stashed away somewhere she shows up as um as a magic trick like so he's so Phoenix is trying to give this woman that he's like falling in love with and he's so happy because she can kick his ass and so he doesn't think he can do any harm to her. Yeah, but then... The- he's doing this magic trick and in, in part of the magic trick is he he's going to make something in the sarc- sarcophagus disappear and he puts whatever it is in the sarcophagus, closes the door, opens it and it's his fucking mom and his mom's ordering him to kill her. And so this amazing fight breaks out where she's like kicking his ass 
But then, the, and then she's like getting away. And the mom says, use a sword. So he cuts her, slices her open, and buries her. It's a lot of work. Like, just even burying somebody. <laughs> it's not something that you can do very quick and easy, you know? I wouldn't know. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so, um, so, at this point in time, is this where the chickens have fallen from? There's chickens throughout. Like, whenever they're... So, if you... If you Pay attention to what the mother is wearing, like her um, her nightgown has like all these feathers around it, and there's birds everywhere that you go. And I wonder if this is why I'm scared of birds. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of um, a lot of just birds everywhere. Um, I don't know what the bird symbolism means, but it definitely um, in this movie means something shitty and crazy is about to happen. Um, so. While this is happening, the girl that invited herself over on a date uh, shows up, sees him covered in blood, and runs out and calls the coppers. Right. The coppers? The coppers. Calling all cars. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I'm not great with accents, but at least I can pretend I am. <laughs> um, okay. I'm just trying to remember, like, so I wrote chickens falling. Some of them were dead. And those are real chickens we're talking about. That's why I was wondering, like, they weren't props, I don't think. Mm. But what what scene oh, okay. was that? Though? What was the significance? Of there the was there was um, a scene somewhere along there where I, I don't know, but there's like this hallucination that he's standing there with his arms stretched out like the Jesus statue of Rio de Janeiro, right? And these chickens are falling from the sky. But the disturbing part about it is this was the 80s in Mexico. So somebody was literally throwing chickens out from the roof into this building. And you can tell because there's some chickens on the floor that are convulsing. Yeah. And some that aren't moving. And it's fucking gross. Yes. PETA, where were you? <laughs> in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, he also makes out with his mom at one point. Definitely. He kisses his mom. And like you said, they sleep in the same bed and all that. It's a little weird. Like, the relationship has definitely gone weird. So the mom also, like she has before, always likes to order him to kill with his hands. With her hands. With her hands. But it's, yeah, his hands that are her hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and this time, I think he was trying to order, she was ordering him to kill the friend that came over. Oh, okay. So... Along the along the way, um, we also see Alma finding, you know, the circ the, the the new show that has also closed down because they decided to move back home, and so we we find that Alma finally finds this home, and she gets in there, and she goes in there, and the home looks different to us when she's walking us through it. Right. But she goes into the room where the where the bedroom is, and she sees somebody sleeping, and she lifts the she lifts the um, the bed sheet open and doesn't seem su- she seems surprised but not scared puts it down but there's birds there's chickens everywhere right? right yeah and then she goes and she walks through the house and and everything and that's when Alma and um, Phoenix run into one another right mm-hmm. after he's killed this beautiful gorgeous wrestler and also and um, then you know the cops are coming so what um she does is she takes him to the room, to the bedroom, and shows him that his mother was a ventriloquist dummy this whole time. 
Right. Yeah. What the fuck was that all about now? Because his mother was a ventriloquist on me this whole time. So she wasn't even a real person? No. But then why did he assume and see her as a real person? Because he's fucking bonkers. He escaped right, from a mental institution. Right, right, they didn't right. say, okay, you're cured. Go away. That, <laughs> so I, mom orders him to kill with his hands. Then I put, he kills the mom. But then I put, mom was always dead. He doesn't kill her. She disappears when he sets her on fire. Right. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Like, so they go back down to where there's a shrine of that little girl again, you know, um, in one of the other rooms. And that's where they throw, they burn um, the ventriloquist on me that is the mother. And that's where the spirit of the mother disappears. Right. She because she was like always yeah. uh-huh. a figment of his imagination. Yeah. So, so, um, so do you think that she was alive in the earlier scenes when he was a kid? And they're in the, the church riot thing in the, in the opening? Or was he... Yeah, even... no, I think she was alive. So, so, she, so basically she did die then when, the, when mm-hmm. the father cut her arms off. She just... he She never died in... In, in his eyes. Yeah. So she dies. Phoenix feels finally at peace with Alma. And they go to walk out the door, but then they're surrounded by police. And then the movie ends. Yes. Okay. So now, let's go back. She there was a line Here's, before before that though just real quick because that's the end she the mom I guess you says, will never be free of me of I'm me. inside of you yeah which, is, which just means it's dormant like it was when he was in the mental institution yeah. but it's also a weird thing to say like I'm just inside of you it's like what you'll you've never, never be said free. that to a girl well no but I mean you'll well, never with the words you'll never be free of me attached to it. <laughs> Oh, God, I hope not. You will never be free of me. I am inside of you. <laughs> I'm going to use that one next time. She's going to be like, oh, great herpes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it all was in his head then afterwards, okay. right? So here's my theory. Okay. Okay. Mind you, I haven't done a deep analysis on this movie. I just enjoy the movie. Um, when he went to the red light district and saw the tattooed woman, I think that was real. And I think when he escaped was to avenge his mother because he sees this woman as the woman who ruined his life and his family. So I think that's what made him snap. That's why the next day his mom was suddenly standing outside of his um, hospital and he escaped. Gotcha. That's why when the tattooed woman was killed, you see the red fingernails that he's wearing when he's, quote, behind his mom. Yeah, that's right. Because I was noticing that too. I put... Um, something about like whose hands were they? Mm-hmm. Whose hands indeed? Was it all yeah. in his head? So it's a good question. Was it? I don't know. Could be. He was obviously in a psych ward, so he was a little bit more crazier than your average uh, disturbed person. So, in summary. In summary, I love this movie still. Yeah, I think it's a good movie. You know, again, like I feel like if I didn't watch it under the, and and I have to look at this with all the movies we end up watching for here. If I just assume that they're all going to be kind of like the slasher movies or whatever, then, you know, like I'm going to judge them differently, I guess you could say, you know? Well, yeah. So I feel that maybe when we get to watching one of my favorites, uh, Dracula, <laughs> yeah. you're going to be like, this isn't horror. Well, uh, well, you mean like the old Dracula? We're watching that Dracula, the one that's hanging uh-huh. on my bedroom wall. Yeah, but see, at that time though, some people were different. Like they were, we haven't 
we've evolved so much more. Our brains are bigger. We have more knowledge and everything. Back then, that's sort of like it's. That's what I mean. Like not that the, people were any dumber or anything. Because the special effects were different, and no, the movie well, is still great in that it's about what you don't see. Right, but it, that was suspenseful and, and horror it's for the time. Go see and what you don't see. Did he ever do anything that wasn't horror related? I think he was in um, a theater group before he got into acting, before he became Dracula. Gotcha. And did you know that his last name is actually Bosco? And I thought it was just a band member of Rob Zombie. <laughs> oh, that's where that's where he gets it from? Mm-hmm. Ah, cool. No, I didn't Or know he's that. a direct descendant. <laughs> gotcha, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I feel like those fairy, the, they were like fairy tale monsters, you know, mythological kind of like creatures, things like that. Like people, they were, you know, people believed in the boogeyman back then. That's what it was. And like even this, the story of Dracula, I mean, there's, there's roots, there's a place that's called Transylvania. So, you know, like there's maybe not, I don't know how much of it is. Well, it's Vlad the Impaler. That's where the story stems from, the Dracula story. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's the guy that, like, uh, he impaled them up the butt, right? Ah, <laughs> oh, can I can't imagine that. Like, people used to come to the city before they would get to the city, and there would just be, like... Oh, impaled bodies, yeah. Yeah, all along, like, the fence or something would be just, like, nothing but impaled bodies. When I was... So, I grew up in this weird household that you can really get into whatever genre you want, as long as it was in book form. Because my parents encouraged education, but they also weren't, um, they weren't, I mean, they speak and write English pretty well, but they just weren't so immersed in the culture where they would say, let me see what kind of books you're reading. Maybe I'll read the same books you're reading. So I had this book at like nine years old that was all about all the things they don't want you to know or the things that you didn't learn in history class. And it was all fucking gory as shit. It was, um. R.L. Stein's. I've read those. No, it was scary stories to tell oh, in the dark. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, goosebumps. I had that at like six, and I had all the Goosebumps books, by the way. <laughs> so, if that tells you anything, but no, it was called. It literally was called things they don't want you to know, and it had things about you know history and whatever. But specifically, they went into detail about what was her name, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Bat, Batori, Bat, um I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, the woman who would bathe in the blood of the innocents to keep herself young. And they would talk about... That's a real, like, woman from history, you mean? I mean, I'm sure many women have done it. There's a story of it like that that's based on the one specific woman, which isn't exactly true. It's kind of super embellished. But um, they talk about Vlad the Impaler. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, oh. Oh, Dracula. Oh. (laughs) And and that's, you know, that, that book got me started on so much, like, just nonsense that I love. That's cool. Anyway, yeah. back to the movie. Um, <laughs> uh, what I was saying before is, yeah, you can you can approach the movies as just movies that we watch, but recognize that I'm not. I'm only going to suggest things that live in the house of horror. So this one is in the den. Yeah. But then there's a room for Rob Zombie. There's a room for Eli Roth. There's a room for Argento. There's a room for. All these other directors that I love that I can't think of at the top of my head. But then there's then there's ones for Hitchcock. 
You don't consider him hard. There's well, sort you know you don't. I do. No. You don't. You've mentioned in the past that you're like that's not hard. Oh, it's kind of Hitchcocky. I said yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, there's there's room for all of them, but it's this big enormous home, and just like here's the zombie room, here's the ghost room, here's the um, people fucking suck room. This is a true life serial killer room. You well, know, like you know, again, many movies are gonna have almost like. Maybe certain different genres, subgenres within the yeah, same genre. Yeah, so maybe so, something is like three genres. Like yeah. Shaun of the Dead is comedy and horror because it has horror elements, but it also has a fuck ton of comedy. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so, you know, I just have to approach the movies differently because for some reason, you know, I'm, I'm expecting them to have maybe, I don't know if it is, I don't know what my equation of horror is. I don't know if it's the jump scares. I don't know if it's the gore. I don't know if it's the... Uh, you know, ghosts or the spookiness, whatever. I just, you know, whatever. But this was a good movie. I just, you know... But so I do go back to, like, the movie Taken, though. Because Taken has... Taken is a documentary. Yeah, but yeah, okay, but, but for real though, but Taken is a, a what, what what kind of genre? What do you call it? That's it's what action adventure. Action or yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Commando. Right, but the thing is that there's still, you know. Uh, kidnapping there's you know um there's all these little elements you know there's the sex trade thing that's going on in there and they're, the way that they're, they're drugging the oh the you mean like commando yes but the <laughs> commando is an action movie taken yeah same thing i guess would be kind of an action suspense whatever but it just doesn't do it for me as a horror movie but it does it for me as like a regular movie because it's not horror movie it's like a movie about what okay american psycho is that a horror movie Absolutely. It's not, though. That's not a horror movie. Just because he cuts some people up, it's not a horror movie. It's like a psychological thriller. Well, in that case, every horror movie is a psychological thriller. Because every horror movie takes you in this fucking whirlwind in your mind. So, you like the movie as a movie. You don't exactly like it as a horror movie. I told you it would be... A lot of people may not like it because it's very artsy you know what i think the problem with the movie was is it was too lit like not in the term that the kids use nowadays but oh, like, I'm like so confused <laughs> <laughs> oh it wasn't dark and it wasn't i mean it's too bright bright yeah everything was lit up it was nothing like you know like you can see what's around every corner and i guess that's what to me some of the best horror movies they get you to the point where you're like oh my god i don't know if i, I don't want to walk down the street by myself like jaws jaws people did not want to get in the water after jaws came out and people some people didn't even get in their swimming pools which doesn't even make sense but that's what i feel like is a good horror movie it makes you feel like man i think i'm gonna turn the light on before i walk down the hall in the middle of this dark you know uh house or something like that. You see what I'm saying? Like, you, you end up approaching your regular life differently because somehow this movie has made you catch the fear. And you're like, mm, I don't know. Maybe I should be careful here. Would you consider the birds horror movie? No, but that's probably Hitchcock stuff again. And I don't know. It's just a bunch of crazy birds that okay. just come flying well, into the that place. movie, that movie, plus one other that we saw recently, uh, watching them as a kid, changed the way I fucking see birds. I fucking hate birds. Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, but, and so in that sense, it would be a horror movie, especially to you, because it has left an impact on you. And I don't know, that's all I'm saying is like, there's certain movies that I've seen. And again, it does sometimes depend on how old you are or what time you saw them, because, 
you know, if I go back and rewatch a lot of the old movies that scared me as a kid, they don't scare me anymore. So, having seen this movie the first time, would you recommend it to anybody else? I would recommend it to, yes, because it is a decent movie. It's got, you know, a cool little twist ending. It's got, you know, like, you don't necessarily see it all unraveling. And it was nicely done, I guess, you know. So, I I would tell people to watch it as a movie, but I don't, you know, that's about about it. So, it is very more, very more, (laughs) it is very much more an artsy movie. Versus direct, like, mainlining horror, you know. It's not like, here's your horror fix. It's, you want to dabble in horror? Maybe start with one of these movies. Yeah. Was there a soundtrack to this movie? Was there music? There were some, there were some really good songs throughout it. Um, like suspenseful there was, music and stuff like no, that? No, not suspenseful music, but they had, they were singing along. They were singing a lot of songs like I knew from my childhood. Yeah. No, see, that. the reason why I bring that up is because... Um, have you ever seen, they used to have this commercial on TV that was for, um, it basically was like a, a, like a, a, a bee in slow motion or something. And it was like flapping its wings and they would change the music behind the scene. So one might be, and it makes it seem like the bees like coming in for a charge, whatever. And then they change it to a different, um, musical theme and then it gives you the visual something different. So, like, in other words, I think that in my head, the horror genre, it has to do with sounds and sight or the way the combination work together. Because the best horror movies have, like, really creepy, eerie sounds. And they make you, you know, like, just... I Spit on Your Grade have no, had no soundtrack. I know, but that's an anomaly. And it worked. The Night of the Living Dead didn't have a soundtrack. Yes, it did. There was stock music throughout it, and it was very, like, they they were using suspenseful music at the time. It was big band instruments, but still there, and and that's what I'm saying. Like, you you know, like a lot of the sounds that we hear in horror movies come from like rubbing things on piano strings, like not even playing the piano. Well, our our intro music is violins, right? You know, and and that's what I'm saying. You take that kind of a sound and you put it behind something, and all of a sudden it becomes like suspenseful and scary. I understand that. So. This movie just was like lit up too much. It wasn't dark, and the sound like it didn't really have like a tone that set a very like scary tone to me. Um, so that's all. But I would recommend people to see it. Um, it's not the worst movie at all by any means. It's actually a great movie. So go check it out if you haven't seen it. It's worth the watch. And uh, let us know what you think. Well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie. Um, it's. Not just, you know, because of the tattooed woman in a bikini, in a thong bikini. Like, it's a fucking great movie. I love it. Yeah, it may not be the more classical horror, like, blood, gore, guts, though there are blood, gore, and guts. It's more of a comment on how we raise our children to become the people that they are and how much of an impact we leave our children, whether or not we're aware of it and whether or not we want to. Okay. All right, fair enough. There's also the argument that I make any chance I get of there would be so many more happy people and not as much heartache in this world if we just stop thinking that when you're in a relationship that you belong to one another. You're your own entities. 
And if you just have a conversation about whether or not, and, and a true conversation, an honest conversation, that monogamy isn't for you, then maybe you'll find a partner that's okay with that. But fuck, so many people are killing each other and doing all kinds of fucking fucked up nonsense because they think somebody belongs to them. So you're saying in this case with the movie that it was the mom who, or was the dad? No, it was both of them because had had he said, look, I love you, but I need all the ta- all the poontang I can find. And she could have been honest and be like, you know what? I'm not okay with that. They could have never been married. Or imagine this scenario. Hey, I need to have as much sex as I can with many women. Maybe even at the same time. And then she would have been like, you know what? I dig it. Let me find us some women. That would have been a different kind of movie. And we probably, I wouldn't have watched that as a child. Brown chicken, brown, brown. <laughs> brown chicken, brown cow indeed. And so... <laughs> So it's what I'm saying is this movie is about relationships, but it's about the relationships that you choose to have um, that affect everybody around you. Life is about relationships. So in this case, yeah, they were both fucked up because they could have had that conversation of I can be monogamous. I cannot be monogamous. I accept you without your monogamy or I don't accept you. And that could have been it because then she could have been like, he's a hoe bag. It's okay. Mm -hmm. It had, it does not reflect on me at all. Right. Cool. Like, if I was in a relationship where somebody just understood that I was my own person and said, you know, do what you need to do. I don't own you. I'd fucking be the happiest person ever. <laughs> but um, that doesn't mean that I would have to go and find, you know, things everywhere else. But it would just mean that I would feel free enough to be able to do so. It doesn't mean I would act on it. So anyway, that's all other story. But yeah. This, this movie is about relationships. Yeah, that's I, I could see that. It definitely, it's a relationship. Um, also, with his mom or her being dead, so it's still like a relationship he's having, even if it's all in his head. I'm wondering though, was he performing with a dress on in front of everybody? That's a different kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, did he just have a dress and his painted nails, and he himself thought his mom was there, but? <laughs> oh, you think like he was just like a uh, uh, a drug show? Yeah, something like that maybe. People would have paid for that too. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I I do appreciate it, but you know what else on the, about this movie is nobody mourns the same way. You know, everybody mourns differently. But fuck, this movie has it all fucked up. Like the elephant dies, so let's just go and scavenge the remains and let's go give this child a tattoo because this is how I mourn. Oh, I just killed my wife by slicing her arms off and letting her bleed out. Let me stab myself while my kid watches. I watched my parents die. Let me go kill a bunch of prostitutes. Yeah. Sex you, workers. You put it in perspective there. You got, I think, the, the basic summary down. Great. Well... Well, that's the movie for today. That was. Yeah, it was great. I mean, again, I'm glad I watched it. And um, I'm glad we got to discuss it. Me too. Yeah, I've been holding a lot of this in for a while since we watched it a few days ago. Yeah, I um, am really excited uh, to see how open you are for uh, you know to these new movies. Oh, yeah. It's like I'm the, a little experiment here. Like, let's yeah, see what... Yeah, I dig it. <laughs> Now you're stealing my words. <laughs> uh, no, it's cool. Um, I'm going to have to pick one that you haven't seen. I haven't seen Serbian film, and you won't let me watch it. 
that we're not doing that for this podcast. Or or what about um, have you ever seen Antichrist? That has some dick chopping off in the movie too. Mm-hmm. That can be a theme in our <laughs> no no, please no. <laughs> so, anyways, this is a great episode. Um, you have any closing remarks? I think Seth Green is fucking my girlfriend. <laughs> So stupid. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> oh, you just went and did it, huh? That was a good one. Thank you. I don't care. <laughs> um, so I don't know. We'll figure out a movie for next week. And um, in the meantime, listen to the old episodes if you haven't already. And nope. <laughs> in the meantime. Go to the list and see what movies we haven't thought of yet. Yeah, you can add the, whatever movies you think uh, we should watch to the list, and um, hopefully we'll get to them. Absolutely. We have a yeah. long, yeah, long list. list so far um, of just ones we want to do. But it doesn't mean that we are not open to new movies. Mm-hmm. I would love to see movies that I've never seen before. Yeah, that's well. That's what I'm doing. I'm seeing a lot of them that I've never seen before, and it's it's good. So you know, you're rewatching most of the things that you've seen. So we need to find a couple that you haven't seen. It's gonna be a little hard. Uh, well, we'll find a few. I'm sure. I challenge you to a duel. I'm sure. Well, that's the show for today. I'm glad you liked the movie, Stefan. Um, thanks for stopping by and joining us for another episode of Ice Cream Parlor. Um, also, check us out on social media. Also, our website is iscreampodcast.com. That's I-S-C-R-E-A-M podcast.com. Yep. And also email us icecreamparlor.podcast at gmail.com. There you go. You got it right this time. <laughs> and if you want to be part of my book club, I'm work- I'm currently reading... American Psycho. American Psycho, and it's fucking bonkers. So, great. Hit us up. So, that's a wrap. I guess I'll see you next time, Heidi. Yeah, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> All right, peace. Okay, bye. <laughs> All right. <laughs>